0: So we've just met, but I know that you're a big Bond fan. So I'm gonna count to three and on three say the best James Bond movie, okay? Okay. Okay. One, two, three, Casino Honor Royale. On a Majesty Secret Service. Ooh! Oh. 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 and Clark is our our oh. We're oh. talking about Terry oh. D and Time of the show. <laughs> <What a show. laughs> Okay, I respect yeah. that choice.
1: And Casino Royale is a very, very close second, by the way. So uh,
0: like, I always feel kind of lame saying that because it's the new one and the origin mm. or whatever, but it was just so it's such a good movie. Like,
1: oh, it's, it's it's perfection. Like, it's so, so good.
0: I, I I can watch that movie on a loop, but but. Honor Majesty's Secret Service is one of those I didn't really pay that much attention to as a kid because you know, yep, this guy's only around for once, he must suck. But you go back to it and it's it's a great film, man. Yeah, and
1: like everything about it, the cinematography of it is just a little bit richer and a little bit more ambitious than the other ones, and you know, the, the plot, and then Diana Rigg is just oh my god, mighty in that film. She's yep. so so good. And the love story is just it, it it kind of it lays the groundwork for everything they've done, I think, with the Diane Craig ones. And I just, I really, really love it. It's such a good movie.
0: Love Story is a good point here on um, Welcome Back to Lois and Clark, the new podcast, Superman, by the way. Um, but that's a good point because both of the ones that we just mentioned are the ones with the best love story in it. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think you could argue it, that in any other way. Are, are, are you saying Spectre didn't have a good love <laughs> yeah, story? Man? Exactly. I'm racking I'm, my head. I'm like, I don't think you know Terry Hatcher's Paris Carver really counts as the best love story in Bond. Like this, yeah, those are the two. But that that is a that is a key part of it. That is uh, that is crucial, I guess, to the best movies.
1: This is this. It's funny that you mentioned Paris Carver there. I found an old archive interview with Pierce Brosnan on an Irish chat show where the host says, "Oh, and you told me backstage that you really want to remake *On a Secret Service* because you think you would do a
0: better job, didn't you?" And Pierce Brosnan's like. Oh, no, I definitely didn't say that. No, you're making it all up. See, like, I feel like an Irish chat show is where he's going to be the most honest. So that's, I'd like to listen to that. But welcome back to Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman, everybody. Uh, you know who I am, uh, but I'm talking today with first time guest Rob O'Connor. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks so much, Matt. I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm uh, I'm a huge fan, not only of the show, but of your show. I've been listening to it like crazy <laughs> the last couple of months. And it's it's so weird and exciting to be here. So thanks.
0: I appreciate it, dude. It's great to have you. Um, so, you know, first time guest, you and I have been talking online a bunch the past couple months, thanks to the Lois and Clark, the legacy Facebook group. But Ooh. ground us, like wh- where do you come into the Superman mythos, Lois and Clark, the whole thing?
1: So um, I am a massive, massive Lois and Clark fan. Uh, I love every version of Superman, but Lois and Clark is where it all started for me. Um, I, I was watching it as it came out here in Ireland in, in the early 90s. It was just a couple of months after it was coming out in the States. Okay. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it from the very beginning. Like, I, I remember seeing the trailer from it. I, I must have been three watching the trailer for it on BBC <laughs> Two, I think it was. And just thinking, wow, this looks amazing. I was already a Batman fan at that stage. I mean, big deal. Everyone's a Batman fan. But <laughs>
0: exactly. like I remember
1: seeing this and just going, holy shit. Like, and I remember even saying to my mom, Mom, did you know, like, Superman's got a red cape? And she was like, oh, you're going to have a red bum unless you go to bed right now. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just for that four years, it was, like, every week, my week revolved around Superman. Like, I I just knew it as Superman. I didn't call it Lois and Clark. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I just loved the characters. I loved the adventures, the investigations. And I think I really did like the love story a lot. Like, even as a kid, I think it was my first introduction into the idea of, like you know, you go on dates and then you get married. And then, you know, like I, I, it was the first time, you know, I was learning about any of that. And then obviously since then I've gotten really, really big into all the other versions of Superman. I dearly, dearly love the Christopher Reeve movies. I love the comics, the animated series, the you know, the the older, the George Reeves stuff. I've, I've, I've kind of seen it all Smallville, but like I always come back to Lois and Clark and I still think that it's kind of the one where just everything just worked. In a way that it hasn't anywhere else. And like for years, like the the entire time growing up, you know, you'd hear these directors in Hollywood and these Warner Brothers executives saying, Oh, you know, Superman, he's just too hard to get right, and it's too hard to make him relatable. And how do we make him relatable for a modern audience? And I'm just like, guys, you did it for four years, just do this again, please on a
0: shoestring budget. Like you can figure this out again.
1: Yeah, like and I'm watching it now with my girlfriend, and I remember, you know, obviously. The episodes, as we're about to discuss, there are good episodes, there are bad episodes. <laughs> Austin Park. I remember watching the pilot, going, "Holy shit! Like this is just still so so good. Like mm-hmm. you know, just do it like this, guys." <laughs> right. So that's where
0: I'm at. That that's awesome, dude. No, I I feel the same. I obviously like the plots come and go, and we can we can discuss whether we like when the plots go daffy and crazy or when they're a little <laughs> more grounded or whatever. But the core elements they get so well throughout the series that even when they're dealing with whatever, the guy that's taken Bob on fences. Yeah. Fob fences or, uh, you know, shower buddies or whatever. They've got these little relationship moments where I'm like, that's, that's those characters that I've now come to know in all these other mediums and shows and comics and all that. So uh, couldn't agree with you more. Welcome to the show, man. I'm so excited to have you here for this one. I'm sorry. You're starting with this with um <laughs> we're talking 313 the dad who came into the cold it's the jimmy olsen's dad is james bond episode yeah yeah
1: i, I have to say like i i'm kind of glad to be talking about a just a crappy meat and potatoes episode of lost in yeah. like it, in some ways it nearly gives you more to talk about than if it was like a tempest fugitive or you know, like, my favorite episode is All shook Up. Like, I love that episode. But I, I like these just sort of weird, random episodes because most of Lois and Clark is kind of like this. It's it's not the great episode. It's the kind of weird, incidental episode. So, right. you know, and, and I'm a big James Bond fan, so we've a lot to talk about
0: there. I, totally. I, but this is, like, I I knew the show from watching it on TNT here um in the U.S. on reruns. And, like, I remember being on vacation and this one popping up and being like, you know what i don't need it today <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> even as a 10 year old i had some sort of quality control in my head of like nope we're in we're only up here for a short time so i should go enjoy the outdoors or whatever good. Um, yeah exactly but like i said 313 dad who came into the cold first air january 14th 1995 written by david simpkins who recently wrote recently the show wrote don't tug on superman's cape also did a lot of charmed and angel and roswell so a real you know cw vet the wb vet i should say and directed by alan j levi who did a bunch of lois and clark Uh, the last one before this was and the answer is the season two finale but also did your dr quinn's your ncis's your buffy's you know journeyman director type but seemed to be uh, exactly but uh, seemed to be enjoying the Lois and Clark paycheck for a couple of years there. So that's awesome. Um, Starting with the fanfare and let's just jump right in here. Like we start with those kind of like relationship moments that, that I love so much in the show where they're just doing dishes and he's superheating uh, to dry the dishes and like just quiet night at home, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I always love, um, but like one of the things they do a lot on Lois and Clark is just mundane use of superpowers. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, I love seeing them like, you know, drying the dishes with heat vision, but it's, it's like, the, like even the, the the special effect they use, it's like a more widened version of yes. heat vision. Um, you know, I, I, even as a kid, I just loved all that, that they they differentiate between the different sort of intensities of heat vision. I just thought
0: that was cool. Totally. Um, it's, it's that heat vision he does when he's trying to thaw Lois Lane. It's a, you know, like it's just kind of, <laughs> A more general take at heat vision yeah uh, no i love that too i also like like they're jumping right in here they, they always try to tie the the theme of the episode or like the plot into something that they're dealing with relationship wise and today it's uh lois lane's name once she registered for the wedding got sold to a preschool and they're contacting her and wanting a, a whopping two hundred dollars as a deposit, and so they're talking. Oh my god, two hundred dollars! I know. <laughs> it's so. Imagine nice. that! It's like I think his rent at his apartment is like six hundred a month, and it's Ugh. just like fuck you, Clark Kent. Um, but yeah, they're they're talking babies in this episode, but we don't we don't really get into it too deeply, do we?
1: No, but I I, I like the idea that you know. As, as Clark is saying, you know, we're not even married yet and they're already asking us about, you know, down payments. That's an actual thing that happens. Like, oh, you totally. Know, like, it's it's cool that they address that and, and that they were able to kind of talk about kids before, you know, they're even actually, to get you know, fully right. together. I, I thought that was a nice kind of way of introducing it, um, even though they, they don't talk about the larger elephant in the room is like, can we even have can kids? Can we? You know? Yeah. Um, but, but it is, like, you know, I'm... I'm sort of at that stage now where I, you know, myself and my partner are looking at buying homes and stuff like that. And, you know, like, these are the things that people sort of they'll, they'll knock on the door and kind of go, Oh, well, have you thought about this yet? And, you know, right. I, it's, it's interesting watching these episodes now, whether they're sort of just about to get together or we're on season four now in a re-watch and are rewatching, they're actually living together. They're married and like a, a lot of the the kind of obstacles they throw at them are, are, are things that you actually face when you're kind of a couple starting out in your life. Kind of totally. So, yeah, so it's cool.
0: Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting to me that they they kind of give it lip service here and we don't get too far into it in their relationship, like storyline here. Um, but you're right, it is, it is like just kind of spoken of quickly and then totally abandoned until <laughs> yeah. mid to the end of season four when they really start, you know, checking to see if it can even happen for them. Um, but regardless, they hear a noise outside like the, the plot gets going here very quickly. It, it's odd. like all of a sudden there's a car crash outside and Superman's just standing there. We don't even see him whoosh in. He IDs the guy. This, this, like, this is the superhero stuff, I lo- the superpower stuff I love when like he's walking over to the victim with Lois. He's not even there yet and he already knows it's Bud Collins. Because he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's looked, you know, like he's either done the, the like microscope vision or whatever, but, but he's kind of ahead of things before he even walks into it. Um, but I guess this is this contact that they've been working with from the NIA selling secrets with them. Yeah, and we've never met him before, obviously. No, because no. Why
1: would we? I, I, I just, um, I, I, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but I, I made a super cut video of every time Dean Kane uh, realizes someone is dead on *Lawson Park*. Oh God, I love this. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of, that, that there's so many instances across this series where Dean Kane <laughs> will go up to someone and go, "He's dead," and he says it the same way every single time. And I was so disappointed watching this episode that he didn't reach up to
0: this guy's neck and go, "He's." Dead? No, we could have added to the supercut. Oh, uh, it, that would have been great to like that supercut. This is the type. This is why you're here, man. Like, <laughs> listeners, please join the Lois and Clark the Legacy fan group and see the type of fanish memes and videos and crap that Rob <laughs> is putting out. Like, I, I, I love that type of thing because I, I, I've noticed that too in the past. But I'm certainly not gonna sit there and edit together the supercut. But like that type of thing that you've been doing is so fun, dude. So I, I know it's for a small audience, but know that I enjoy
1: it. It's for a, it's for a small audience, and it's an enormous waste of time, but it is yeah. a lot of fun.
0: Welcome to Lois and Clark, man. <laughs> you know, like, there's, there's like 300 listeners that really care, and, and I appreciate them all. Um, anyway, Bud Collins is dead. He's doing like in his death throes. Uh, Trevelyan Saturday at noon, and giving them no, no uh, Trevanian match. Trevanian. Oh, see, I'm gonna keep doing that too. I know, because <laughs> all right, let's talk about that first bond interstitial here, like Trev- Trevanian in this episode, but it's it's supposed to be Alex Trevelyan right? Like, it, like they, they, yeah, I feel like heard it, was, the I mean, name. it is
1: the year after Goldeneye. Like, I mean, it, it's clearly referenced or, or I don't know, reference me rip off of the rip Sean Bean's character in Goldeneye.
0: Yeah, 100%. But throughout this episode, if I say Trevelyan, you know what I mean. Like, (laughs) Listeners, give me a break. Um, Let's talk about the weird elephant in the room here, though, of Bud IDing Clark as he's dying, looking at Superman. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's kind of nothing. It's kind of nothing, right? Like, it's such a... It's a weird moment too, because like for the for a second, you're making the audience like hope this guy dies. <laughs> yeah, like, like if like, it had oh been man. Bobby
1: Bigmouth or something, or, or if it had been someone we'd we'd met before that you know we'd seen Clark and Superman interact with a lot, it, it would be kind of a joke. But here, it's just sort of uh, oh yeah, okay. Like I don't know, especially three seasons in. Like maybe if they did it in the first season, that'd be kind of I don't know. Di- right. in, didn't do yeah. anything
0: for me. I have to say, it was kind of just padding their own time a bit. I, I, I couldn't agree more and it's like we've already we've kind of made our hay of this already unless you're going to do something super new with it mm. I don't think we have to talk about the glasses anymore you know like it's just can, kind of silly can I uh,
1: can I throw in my crazy fan theory about the glasses in this series by the way oh my god please uh, so obviously I so this is season three we haven't gotten to the new Krypton stuff yet obviously in the new Krypton stuff they established that Clark has uh, or that Kryptonians have te- telepathy, and that they yes it, they interact with each other telepathically so my fan theory for the, for the glasses growing up was always that uh clark is kind of subconsciously broadcasting this telepathic signal so that people wouldn't realize that he looked the same as superman and that's, <laughs> that's how you know, because otherwise it makes no sense
0: <laughs> yeah the I, i'm like i'm not ever gonna tell someone that their fan theory is wrong like i i'm <laughs> go with god i'm totally into that as an excuse and it kind of makes sense to me i've always just thought of it as like he's trying to blend in right like that that's oh, why yeah, he definitely. has them before he goes to metropolis but that's that's as fan paper that's as fanboy wallpaper as your thing so like it's it, like who knows basically i definitely I definitely agree that the reason he's wearing them in the
1: pilot before he becomes Superman for the first time is, yeah, he's just trying to blend in. He's trying to show everyone that there's there's nothing special or strange about this right. boy from Kansas. You know, I, I, I do like that idea. And I wish that there, there was a line to explain that because it is a nice little kind of character idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, just a little thing. And from the quince of like, and why are you wearing those silly glasses? Because they make me feel a little whatever, you know?
1: yeah and, and just quick shout out to Kay callan because they're not in this episode and i, I know, you know I, I just love them so so much um i again I'm, I'm watching them with my girlfriend at the moment and she's never seen the show and every time they come on she's just like oh my god like why does every version of superman not just have these wonderful parents in it you know like they're, they're just yep. so great to watch and like she, she's adopted as well and like anytime she sees you know positive um you know, you know, depictions of adoption in in TV and movies mm-hmm. like it's always it's always great because it's so often not positive, you know. So yeah, the fact that they're, they're these amazing parents, and every time you see Kay Callan, you're just like, oh yeah, well, if that was your mother, of course she'd be Superman, you know. Exactly. Again, go back to what I said about Warner Brothers executives, like just put her in your movie, you know.
0: Make them likable, and they might be relatable, you know. Like it's really not that hard. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you too. Like I will. For you next episode, we'll have to get you on to a, a K and Eddie episode. But um, yeah, big time. They're perfect throughout the series. And they're missed in episodes like this, where it's just like, <laughs> I could use a little Kent flavor right now. Thanks very much. Uh, but instead, we get fake Emma Peel pulling up oh, in gosh. her car. I do like, like, Bud had handed Lois and Clark the suitcase, and Superman sees this woman pull up and just tosses it into the sky without her noticing. Like, the again, these are superhero moments that I like. But we are introduced to NIA agent Sweet Tart. Sweet Tart. It's not a bad, nice. Um, It's not a bad, they could have done worse as far as bond games.
1: Now I, I probably should mention a, a sweet tart is that is an American candy. Am I right? Oh no. That? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, Like watching every time I watch this, I'm like, that, that joke only really works if you know candy. And well, I mean, I guess it's an American show made for an American audience. So it's, it's hardly right. a, a good point, but like, you know, it, it's not a name Ian Fleming would have come up with.
0: So to you, it's just like, ah yes my name is sugar pepper like oh, okay like that's just yeah. <laughs> two different things um yes it is a candy uh that's that's about as far as they went into it i feel like there were sweet tarts in the writer's room and they just kind of pat- phoned that one in um i do like that the nia keeps coming up in the series the the national intelligence agency right like that that's their cia
1: yeah when, when was the last time i i know it's not the first time we hear
0: of it but it yeah the nia The recently their biggest like episode was the nazis had infiltrated them in the in superman and superman superman um but they've popped oh and uh, just the episode before this excuse me um never on sunday uh clark clark has a contact in the nia and like that's the whole plot of that episode is tied into that. So like, they do pop up from time to time, you know?
1: I, I, I like the idea of the NIA and I, I like any, anytime they make a fake spy organization in these things, I'm, I'm all for it. My only problem with it, and it's the same problem I have with LNN is <laughs> if, you, if, if you're going to make a, a fake spy organization, don't also establish that the, the real sport, spy organization that sounds like your fake spy organization also exists, so like, yeah we, we hear about the CIA in this episode and the NIA and it's like just come
0: up with a better name if you're gonna <laughs> say that the CIA also exists it's like, so DC comics to me where it's just like yeah. yeah we have metropolis and Gotham but we also have New York it's like no you shouldn't yeah, have New exactly. York. you shouldn't be allowed to have New York if you've got all these other cities in here um no I'm with you it's just it's DC Comics Life, but um, I do like it as a bit of world building, like LNN, like these kind of like background elements of the show, the new Troy, you know, of it. Um, But anyway, Sweet Tart comes up, they give her no information, um, uh, and she basically drives off before the real police get there. Um, And then all of a sudden, after the titles, we're in the jungle. We're in, give me a second, Velograd Pass in the Borislav republic oh god yeah the, the little the little titles come up with the little de- 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 yeah exactly <laughs> like, um old font of it uh but then all of a sudden we've got mr james reed as jack olson playing like or mid james bond action sequence here um what do you think of our jack olson
1: do you know what? I, I think he's he's kind of fine. He's serviceable enough as a James <laughs> Bond stand-in. He he sort of looks like if you put all of the Bond actors up to that point into a blender and then, mm-hmm. you know, presented them in front of someone who, with a really high fever, you know, that they, they, <laughs> might, they might say, oh, well, that kind of looks like James Bond. Maybe, right. I think. Jay Grusk is uh, playing a little sort of fake James Bond team here, which Love isn't that. even the first time he's done this. Like, it's in other episodes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I like the music here. To his little attempt. Um, and I agree with you. Like it's all the James Bonds, but put like uh Diamonds Are Forever and Never Say Never Again, Sean Connery in there like two or three times. Like he's just a little yes. little <laughs> too old for it, you know? Um, but I like James Reed as an actor. I know he's yeah. in I know he's in the North and South miniseries, but just to embarrass myself, like I know him as the father of the charmed ones throughout all of Charmed. So like I knew him from this, and then like just really in rewatching the show, remembered, oh right, he did the Bond thing as Jimmy's dad for a second. Um, But I think it's fun, like he's just like wrestling with a guy by the the little pond there for a detonator, and he knocks the guy out, and the hand, his head lands on the detonator, and we get the now that's using your head Bond pun. Like it's a serviceable enough. Bond spoof to me yeah vaguely inspired by the way you know Sean Connery and Roger Moore
1: would fight people in those old movies yeah maybe I'm giving the episode way too much credit but it feels like they were kind of going for that a little bit like you'd have one punch two punch and then he like clobbers him on the back and then he's like headbutt (laughs) him and it's it's just really a b c d just very kind of rudimentary fight I, I you know I thought it was fun
0: I I didn't even notice the back clobber but the minute you said that I could picture Sean Connery doing it like 18 (laughs) times. That's so funny. Um, And then like also a typical like uh, start fighting somebody else that comes after me until they unmask and it's oh, it's my friend Sweet Tart. Like, oh, strange to see you out here. Sweet. And then uh, Trevanian pulls up and they have a little champagne tasting in the jungle for a second.
1: Yeah I, I, Trevanian is is a funny one because like obviously the, the episode is full of spy homages and parodies and you know you mentioned Sweetheart clearly looks like Emma Peel from the Avengers show and obviously James uh, Reed is basically playing James Bond. I don't really know what they were going for with Trevanian like obviously you yeah. know he's kind of his boss he's M from James Bond but I kind of get a bit of like an Orson Welles vibe off him or something. <laughs> totally. And- and then, and then maybe, you know, John Steed from The Avengers. So, if, you know, we keep talking about The Avengers. For anyone who doesn't know, obviously, The Avengers is a British
0: spy show from the 60s. Um, I would like hope not, anyone not to listening confused. to this better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the not, other thing. Not the Marvel ones. Um, Avengers Assemble in the UK, right? Uh, yes, correct. The, uh, the, the UK and
1: Ireland, they, they called it Avengers Assemble. But, like, everyone knew it was a different thing, you know. Right. I don't think they needed to
0: call it that. That's funny, though. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're playing with Trevanian here. Just that they are doing spy tropes. He does have the cane. You're right. Does he have the hat, yeah. too? That's kind of Mr. Steed? He, he has a fedora, but uh, John Steed oh, but wore had...
1: a bowler hat. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's almost like they were, they were rushing around the costume department. They were like, mm, no one would wear a bowler hat in the 90s. Just put a fedora on him. And it, it just feels a little bit kind of like, eh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It's all the spy tropes in the blender. And here you have this episode, uh, including the champagne tasting in the jungle. But turns out... um, Swill! Yes, Swill is spitting out the champagne. (laughs) Sweet Tart really has to start thinking for herself here. Like, she's just copying everything this guy's doing. She's taking his word for granted. Uh, Though I guess Jack is, too, where um, Chivanian's telling him that... uh, Lois and Clark are the devil, basically. They've been corrupted. Uh, they're going against the NIA. They're they're selling secrets to the highest bidder from uh, probably Bud Collins, who was their their mole. Like Lois yeah. and Clark are no good here. Yeah, and it's it's
1: it's a surprisingly complex plot. You know, like the, the third season. I, you know, I I I I really love the third season, but I I do feel like they they simplified a lot of the bad guy stuff in season three and whereas here this is this is hardcore like that you know it took me (laughs) i had to watch this episode twice before i fully understood understood what the the kind of plot was and and that they you know that they outline at the very start oh yeah lois and clark are selling selling secrets and you know that kind of way um it it, it was it was
0: interesting yeah it it might have been more interesting and added to the intrigue if if his plan or his story about them was at all like vaguely believable. But the, minute, <laughs> but the minute he's saying like these these reporters are corrupt now, it's like, oh, okay, so villain. Got it, okay, great, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah totally, yeah. Um, but Jack buys it, he unzips his suit to reveal the tux underneath, total Goldfinger moment, and Absolutely. zips off with a woman in a red convertible off to the Daily Planet. Just two, two small notes on that. I'm sorry oh, if I'm
1: boring the listeners with my constant uh, Bond uh, nitpicks. Dude, if like, not now, when? You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, in every any time an American show parodies James Bond, they always just oh have this God. kind of like unofficial checklist of things that they have to do. And they always do that. So there's always a um, there's always a tuxedo with a wing tipped collar. So wingtip collar is when the the, hmm. the the shirt collar kind of goes up and over like that, right? Yeah. James Bond never wears a wingtip collar ever <laughs> in any of the Bond movies, right? And they always do it in the parties, and it drives me mad. And the only reason I notice this is I I worked in a suit shop for five years, so these are the things. Oh, I okay. Do. And there's always a woman in a cat suit doing the whole Emma Peel thing, even though there's never any cat suits in James Bond. No, um, not till just...
0: Michelle Yeoh, really. You know.
1: <laughs> oh God, yeah, you're right. Michelle Yeoh did wear one, but that yeah. was like a but year that's after this, so. this yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, they obviously, they were,
1: they were obviously <laughs> tuning into Lois and Clark. Um, and then there's always a nondescript red convertible, even though, you know, there, there's, that there's no red convertibles in James Bond. No. You're, you're a Sabrina fan as well, aren't you?
0: I was like uh, original. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you remember the, the Dr. Bad, the James Bond episode they did? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that, it was a good one. Like it was, so Mr. Craft, Principal Craft is, is like a Blofeld type guy running around in a wheelchair. Harvey Kinkle is uh, James Bond and Valerie is like the kind of Emma Peel type character. And it's, it's good, but they do a lot of the same stuff that this
0: does. Uh, a Very important question. Where does Sabrina and Salem fit in? Uh, so Sabrina writes the story and then all the other characters become
1: uh, okay. the, the James Bond thing. I don't know if Salem has a, uh, Unless Salem is like a, an odd job henchman or something, I feel like that
0: would. Probably be... <laughs> yeah, that feels right. Um, we are the exact same age, aren't we? Because <laughs> I, I th- you're thirty one, are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm thirty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this makes sense <laughs> to me now. Um, always down for a Sabrina minute too. In the middle of our James Bond minute, in the middle of the Lois and Clark podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, at the Daily Planet. Uh, Lois and Clark are checking in with Perry and kind of giving him the rundown that you know Bud Collins died and they've got this briefcase and they can't get into it because there's there's you know um, firewall upon firewall upon firewall basically inside this case Um, and they but they know that Trevanian is a loose cannon and it's a bad time for there to be a loose cannon in the NIA because they're blank check with the government like we're getting a lot of Government talk here and and story yeah yeah CIA is bad or NIA is bad type stuff. It, you're right. It is very muddled. It's odd, um, but they need someone that can that they can trust who can hack into the laptop just in time for Jimmy to walk in and and introduce himself into the scene. So um, he's a computer whiz, man Did you uh, Did you know that I know he he got us into the Matrix a couple weeks ago. You know, like oh this guy is indispensable. <laughs> oh uh, uh, virtually destroyed is one of my favorite episodes of anything weird of ass episode um but uh we do establish here thanks to jimmy that we are three weeks from the wedding so the wedding is yes. in real time at this point uh and they're only now just talking about children which is, okay um but i do like uh perry here I'm like jimmy shut the door jimmy yeah. shut the door son. yeah <laughs> Uh oh, Jimmy. <laughs> if,
1: if, if, if ever like I will never get
0: a chance to use my Lane Smith impression other than on this Oh, please. Again, this is the time to do it, dude. You're fine. Yeah. Um Door shuts just in time for dad to walk out of the elevator and immediately plants the most obvious bugs on Lois yeah. and Clark's computers.
1: These like giant original Game Boys just on the back of the Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> that are magnetized or have some like stickiness on the other side whatever um i love that he's like looking into the conference room as he's doing this at at our main cast like seemingly not talking about anything important they're they're laughing everyone's smiling um lois is sitting on clark's lap and i'm like ew you're in the workplace like it's just everyone's having a good time yeah like i you know
1: i even as a kid i thought you know what? The PDA in this is a bit much. You know? <laughs> like, there's 40 other journalists in the newsroom. There's fucking Eddie Calhoun over there feasting on a bologna sandwich. He's trying to eat his lunch. He's been there for 12 hours. And there's fucking Dean Kane just grinding up against Lois. Like,
0: <laughs> time and a place, guys. That and if they kiss in the newsroom, we all have to stop and clap and whoop. You know, it's just. Yeah. Must be like, exhausting. I've, worked, I've worked in newsrooms before and like if that <laughs> happened everyone will be like what what the hell I see like I do like their little moments of closeness when like they're both yeah. looking at the computer and she'll come up behind him and be too close or yeah. whatever and like those little those stolen moments I enjoy but yeah seeing her on his lap here it's like I love that you're close but this is not the time guys no ace reporters um Dad thinks so, too. He goes and interrupts and uh, basically comes to the door as Jimmy's about to leave. And uh, it's the most awkward reunion between father and son ever. And it's gra- genuinely great. You will rarely hear me say a
1: nice word about Justin Whalen. He is good. In sense. <laughs> I think so, when too. When he sees his dad and he goes, what are you doing here? Like, you can see it all in his face, you know? Yep. Um, I- and it, it, w- I, it made me realize, you know what? This is the first time they've ever given him anything to do.
0: Yeah. Besides, like, ask dating advice about Denise Richards or whatever. Like, you're you're absolutely right. He plays it well in this episode. Like, just the hurt, the love, but the hurt of seeing this man again. And you know, um, Jack's like, "What's it been? Four years? Yeah, before that, five. You know, it's like, oh, okay." kind of understanding exactly where we are here and the the intros are so awkward to the team and then it's a bummer too because he's talking to jack and like instantly he's asking him if he can stay around for a while but you know jack's only in for a few days or whatever doing his engineering job um but but he immediately asks jimmy to dinner and then invites Lois and clark and it's just like you can tell from Jimmy's face, he doesn't want them to come. They tried to get out of yeah. it of like, oh, we're, we're busy on the story. we are like, well, you have to eat, right? Like, it's just all a major bummer, but it, yeah. very well done, I thought.
1: Yeah, and do you know what? Like when I was, I, I've watched this episode before and I remember thinking previous times I watched it, like, geez, you know, they're jumping straight into the, you know, Jimmy's putting his, his, his heart on the line straight away and it feels a little bit unrealistic, but then you kind of watch it a couple of times, you kind of go, Oh, yeah, because if he doesn't do it quickly, his dad is going to go again. He won't he's have a chance to go. say all these things. So, you know, I, I think they, they did. And James Reed has good chemistry with Justin Whalen, which is, is weird, like that he's only just this this walk in kind of guest star, you know, that he would have um, such good chemistry. Because, you know, we've seen like Lucy Lane in the Metallo episode and all oh, these people right. who are supposed to be related to the main
0: cast and it's never really believable. But this guy, you're like, yeah, it's his dad. Like, I buy it. I, I'm totally there with you it's also this watching it for this was the first time I was struck by like oh I buy them as father and son and yeah. like just physically like that's not something I ever really care about like you show me Beverly Garland next to Terry Hatcher and I'm like I I don't know if I see a resemblance but I love them so mm-hmm. like, you know it's totally fine but um,
1: if you show Michael Landes uh to a Warner Brothers <laughs> executive they just think oh well he's Dean Kane's brother Five, why is Dean Kane here you. yeah just, just, quick shout out again. You know, you're way past season one. Michael Landes is my favorite Jimmy Olsen ever in really? any medium. I think he's absolutely fantastic, and I, I think the biggest crime this show ever committed was getting rid of Michael Landes.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's do that for a second. We we love to jump back to season one because it's <laughs> been so long. <laughs> um, I always liked Justin Whalen, and I think that is a bit Stockholm syndrome. Uh, that's not the right word to say it, but like he. I started watching the show probably in the middle of the show. Certainly didn't Mm. like tune into TNT because I knew the pilot was going to be on that day or whatever. Like he was just the one that I saw the most, so I'm just most familiar with him. But looking back at some season one lately, like it's remarkable how much more of a personality they give Michael Landis as opposed to Justin. It's it's a shame. Is that where you're
1: 100 percent? And you know, just a couple of things. I think he had like vastly better chemistry with uh, Lane Smith. Mm-hmm. And I think that they really played up the the you know the father son angle there, and which I think is is actually kind of missing from the And We'll get back into that, but like you know, obviously um, Jimmy is a boy without a father, and uh, Perry is a guy who's failed in his relationships with all his sons, and this is this is Perry's second chance. And you know, you really get that vibe throughout loads of the season one episodes, and um, you know, there's multiple episodes where Jimmy will go, you know give me a chance give me a chance I'm 21 I've never had my story before and all this kind of stuff right. and he just plays it so so well and you just know that if he had stayed with the show that he probably would have developed as a character and they might have given him like they he may have been an actual reporter by season four mm-hmm. yeah, that's assuming a lot of this show but I you know and <laughs> I, I think across the board in season one I think they actually did stuff with the other characters and it was more of an ensemble um, and I, I sometimes feel like you know, if they'd done that in the later seasons, they may have stretched out the longevity of the series overall. If they've yep. managed to figure out how to do that, um, but yeah, I just i i i completely understand the decision they made. I i, I don't honestly think Michael Andes does look like <laughs> Team Kane, but I, I i i can see why they would make that decision, and I think Justin Whelan probably does tie into the whole younger demographic heartthrob for little girls kind of thing that they were going for more so than Michael Landis does. But I just think he had such charisma and such energy and such, such um, chemistry with Lane Smith. And, and you know what, like again, going back to, I've, I've worked in actual newsrooms. I've met so many people like that in real life. Like Michael (laughs) Landis, Jimmy Olsen is like what those, you know kind of aspiring interns are actually like you know right um whereas justin whalen is kind of just an empty vessel for a lot of the show you know he's a computer ways one episode and he's denise richard's boyfriend the next and that's kind of all he ever does
0: that's kind of it yeah totally not his fault but i'm with you um as far as looking like dean kane they do an episode about him looking like dean kane in season four like it's so stupid to me that that's that's the reason that they always give for that um but yeah no i i uh i hear what you're saying um I I also, you kind of brought it up here and it's so underdeveloped in this episode, but the Perry-Jimmy relationship finally comes back in this episode um, where, where, you know, Lane's kind of, Lane, Perry is watching uh, Jack with Jimmy and doing the like, you know, what kind of of a man puts his job before his family? And first of all, I'm like, go ask Alice, motherfucker, you know, like, (laughs) but... Um, But they do finally get back to that in this episode and it's, it's almost jarring because it doesn't really come up that much anymore. Like they go on fishing trips, I guess, but there's none of that like kind of hard assness from Perry that he gave to Michael Landis of like, you know, being really, really kind of mean or like, you know, setting him up like he's going to put him on assignment, but really he needs him to go get those really good strawberry donuts or whatever it was and like putting them through the paces like that's gone at this point jimmy never underestimate the power of a good obituary (laughs) yes right yeah that that whole dynamic is gone and they're they're kind of best pals at this point but um at least they do jump back to it here for a little bit and i appreciate that um meanwhile that night excuse me but that night, back at Lois's apartment, uh, they're getting ready to go out. And uh, let's talk Harry Thatcher here for a second. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing her best baby Gunderson hair in this episode. Like <laughs> she's even got the cosplay down. She's got the little black dress and kind of the like updo hair. And it's just still, we still got growing pains with the new look for May. Where, where do you land on Terry Hatcher Lois' hair throughout the series?
1: Yeah, so I, I think definitely as a kid, I, I didn't really mind the, uh, the, the advancing hair. Um, I, I think when you watch the episodes now, the, the bob in the first two seasons is definitely timeless. And it just holds yeah. up now and it, it still looks great. And I think the outfits she wears in the first two seasons, are you know, they, they still look amazing um I, I you know i i I think they they stumbled initially i i I think it looked very very silly earlier on in <laughs> season three where she just has that disgusting parent trap mop of hair
0: yes, yes. Um,
1: like original parent trap like not yeah the when
0: Irish eyes are killing look where it's just like oh what's what's happening oh, here God. D- yeah. don't don't mention when Irish eyes are killing around <laughs> actual Irishman, Matt, please if you don't it's mind. terrible. I've had two Irishmen on this season and not for that episode I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: The the stones are finally mine. Yes. God in heaven, I hate that episode. Truly, God in heaven, yeah. Um, um, no, but generally speaking, I, I I don't I I think it looks better and it's kind of classier here than it did earlier on. Um, and and it's it's actually, and I'm sure they weren't going for this, but just from a Superman historian's point of view, um, if you look at Noel Neal's hair in kind of the George Reeve show. It's, it's kind of somewhat like that in this episode. I think.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay. I, I never looked at it with that perspective, but but you're right. Um, and I should say too, for most of this episode, I think it looks great. Like she's Terry Hatcher. Yeah. She looks like incredible. Just like this updo 90s thing is something that aesthetically I just always won't be into, but I'll bring it up every damn time she does it. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Clark Clark's all upset. He's, he's sitting here like kind of, poopoo faced, like doesn't want to go out and thinking about how much of a bummer it is that Jack wasn't there for Jimmy's life and that uh, his kids won't really know him that well either. Cause he's always going to be going off, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's nice stuff.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm glad they kind of gave Lois and Clark slightly less to do overall in this episode and, and that all they ever really do is wonder about, you know, will they make good parents? And I, I, I think it's cute. I just still feel like this is all stuff Perry should have been thinking about. It's it's all stuff that mm. they should have given him. And, you know, they, they, they just sort of force it on Lois and Clark because they're the heroes and they're the people that people want to watch. But um, no, but I I did think it was nice. Like, um, and and it is the kind of thing that Superman would wonder about. And obviously, you know, we're seeing Superman and Lois now and, and they're doing yeah. that whole thing. and
0: We have a whole show so about it.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's
0: cool that they kind of that they went into that. Um, I, I do like too that Lois has about as much time for it in this episode as we do, where she's just like, you know, he's like, well, all this talk about having kids made me think. She's like, I got one letter, Clark-, you know, like, and they're yeah, yeah, going yeah. out the door, <laughs> and he's bringing it up again, and she gives an oi. and I'm just like, this feels real, where like, you know, you bring something up to your partner, and they get really stuck on it, and you're like, we're past this, like this doesn't, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> don't don't be worrying about this right now. Uh, but as they leave, we see her door locks all lock up which is how we know we're about to see them unlock as the camera <laughs> pushes in and uh Jack and Sweetheart come in and uh kind of set up she's gonna set up whatever like bugs at Lois's apartment and she plays cue for a second and gives him the lie detector watch where blue means truth and red means lie basically it's kind of a bad idea for a gadget though isn't it I guess if there's something on your wrist that's constantly lighting up every time somebody says something. Yeah, like what a conversation starter. In
1: 1996, you've got this like multicolored watch <laughs> glowing up in the dark all the
0: time. What's this do? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, it's not the most stealthy thing you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to wear it the other way around in order for people not to right. see him
1: like you know, surely they could have just had a vibrate function or something like that. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have looked as good on TV.
0: We've got two days to figure out this watch in the props yeah. department. Okay. Like this is what we got to do. Um, we also mentioned, uh, she mentions that Trevanian thinks that he's going soft and I like his line of like, for God's sakes, I'm using my own son to get him from it. Like, what do you want from yeah. me? You know, like I'm giving my whole life here. Um, but also we, We established it earlier, but I think we forgot to mention it, that uh, Trevanian is listening in to basically everything that the spies are doing, or at the very least everything Mm -hmm. that Sweet Tart's doing in the field. And basically saying that, like, you know, if Jack doesn't do his job, Tart, it'll be up to you, you know? But then we get the most awkward dinner ever, where Lois and Clark are just trying to put the conversation topic onto either Jimmy's accomplishments at the planet or yeah. jack's work as an engineer slash demolition dude yeah and jack has no time for any of this especially jimmy's stuff she's telling him about this great article he did and she's like oh jimmy you'll have to clip that out and send me anyway with the nia <laughs> <laughs> and just trying but- to get get them on the record as lying basically right I, I'd I'd love to pretend like that this is a bad
1: uh, depiction of spying and that you know James Bond would never do this, but James Bond actually probably would do this. Like Constantly. he's really kind of transparent in all those movies. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, and yeah, and yeah, like that, it's just so heartbreaking. Like you know, oh, and Jimmy wrote this article. And he's like, oh yeah, send it to me. Send me cut it out, yeah. Cut out there, and I'll just put it up on my refrigerator. So back to the NIA. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, because you know one of my favorite things about your show is that you talk about all the sets and the, the backlot and all that stuff. Um, when I was watching this scene, and I was kind mm-hmm. of seeing the, the the pillars in the
0: back of the restaurant. I was going, is this the season one Daily Planet? This is, I believe, the lobby of the Daily Planet redressed and repainted. Ah,
1: very interesting.
0: Yes, because a pillar can go in every once in a while to that set and I think they do have some sort of pillar situation, but the staircase too made me go like oh this isn't a build yeah. for them what did they do yeah uh, I'm, i wasn't gonna bring it up because i feel like people hate it but thank you <laughs> um yeah i'm pretty sure this is the lobby but i did in fairness i didn't like stop and look at it and see but this is definitely some sort of standing structure because they wouldn't have built that just for this tiny little scene you know
1: we, it's funny actually we, we um before we started recording here me and my girlfriend were uh we're also re-watching Sex in the City at the moment. And it's the <laughs> episode where Carrie and the gang go to LA to talk about that they oh. want to option her columns for, right. the,
0: for a movie or whatever. They lot, don't and, they?
1: Yeah, they do. I was like, oh my God, we're in Metropolis. Great.
0: <laughs> so it was pretty exciting. I also love in the scene that Clark is doing like recon basically on Jack. He's x-raying mm. him. First he sees a pistol under his shoulder, like kind of typical shoulder holster. Then he sees knives on both of his ankles. And then he sees, <laughs> then he sees derringers up both of his oh, sleeves, like he's a hooker from the 1890s. Like it was such a weird <laughs> move. Like I love that he uses them later, but it just feels so like, are we doing Wild Wild West here? Like, why are they just these little, like old fashioned derringers, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And again,
1: it's it's not something that James, but I don't think it's something James Bond ever had. He definitely I had the knives so. in the, in the shoes but i don't think he ever had sure. the derringers um, yeah i don't which, yeah, think wild, the, the wild only West. thing i
0: can think of is like the the he had the laser on the watch in moonraker but i think that's as close as he ever got to something like that mm, uh,
1: the laser on the watch was oh yeah the the little wrist wasn't, wasn't
0: it Moon? oh it was uh,
1: excuse me it, it was a dark was thing. it a laser yeah, yeah, or a yeah. dart excuse me it was a dart the, the laser on the watch was
0: um Goldeneye. is it <clears> weird <throat> that it works on superman like it detects a lie from clark i guess we I don't know how it works that. huh
1: yeah i hadn't thought of that well i mean they do establish in season one that lie detectors work on superman don't they in the bureau 39 episode
0: oh you're right and he just, has to use his powers yeah. to
1: stop the lie detector from working so yeah
0: you're right okay excuse me i was just thinking because like um I no i th- let's do this in in Virtually Destroyed, like when he gets hooked up to the computer system, like he's overpowering oh, it, but yeah. maybe maybe that's the power of his brain, you know, like, I don't know. Um, interesting, all right, thanks the for saving computer. that for me. Yes, but meanwhile, how the scene end? Where are we? Uh, they, they, they end on an awkward
1: uh, exchange between, I, I, oh yeah, J- uh, Jack says, oh geez, that must be real hard or something like that. And then Jimmy says, kind of like raising a family a hey, dad. right
0: oh uh, the, the whole table got silent you got the wet fart at the end of that scene you're right i forgot about that um so after that scene we've got dad and jimmy walking through court park and uh i i like this scene for what it's worth here too where you know he's jack's doing the like how well do you know lois and clark uh, what if i suggest you avoid them i suggest you don't like i I, yeah. I like jimmy kind of standing up for himself a little bit here you know yeah like he's got a bit of integrity like and
1: it's almost like he knows there's something a little bit shady about his dad already Um, yeah um and you know he he's not allowed to just waltz in and kind of make these demands of him you know um yeah no i thought it was nice
0: yeah i i did too i also like like you're saying sticking up for himself a little bit with uh you know dad saying like Lois and clark are really unpopular in government circles and jimmy basically being like yeah no shit they're like they're, they're <laughs> reporters that's their job you know um yeah it's
1: it's it's funny actually like to keep talking about you know the nia and the nia spying on people and stuff like that I, so I, I i forgot to mention i i wrote the reviews for the superman homepage for lost back for years and i reviewed this episode and around the time i reviewed this episode um was the time of do you remember the the nsa there was a big there was a big kind of uh expose that they were spying on everybody
0: online no but interesting
1: and I remember thinking geez that's actually very similar to this episode of Lawson Clark that I'm watching from 12 years ago or whatever it was at the time
0: well that makes sense because this does feel like a quote-unquote current for 1995 topic that that you know this government agency is kind of doing whatever it wants to so that's interesting I'm I'm happy to hear that
1: the, the reason I thought of it was, you know, when Jimmy said, "Oh well, they're whistleblowers." Like it was a similar thing that there was there was a there was, a, there, was a, there was a whistleblower on the inside who spoke to the press. I think I need to look mm. up on it. But
0: there was a Snowden, just, just pre-Snowden.
1: I think it was. I, was it either pre-Snowden or it was
0: around the same time? I'm trying to remember. Oh, to- excuse me. When you were doing the review, you said that this this happened. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That, okay. That would have been Snowden. That makes sense. Okay. Cool i thought it was a 90s thing and i'm like oh how, how very x-files of us you know yeah. anyway jack is trying i think like legit trying to push jimmy away from lois and clark for what he thinks is a good purpose but he's also coming off as a dick as he's doing it um and jimmy's clearly worried about his dad um and uh j- j- well what what is the line here at the end like uh, I, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you care
1: so much about me or something like that. And he's like, "Right, it's almost like you you really love me, like I love you."
0: Oh, the gut punch! And then Jimmy walks away, and Jack checks the watch just to make sure it's blue. <laughs> and it flew. And that was such a like, "Fuck you, dude!" Oh god, yeah. Son's pouring your heart out, and you're like, "I don't know if that's real." Oh, it is. Okay. uh oh, jeez. Um, but yeah, I did. I did like that line. Their, uh, or the way yeah. that whole scene kind of played out.
1: Yeah, you know, and but I kind of feel like, I don't know, would he love him at this stage? <laughs> he hasn't been around for, for basically a significant portion of his life.
0: Like, I Yeah, don't know, I uh, get you. He's just, Jimmy's a big puppy dog, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Sweet and, Tri- I almost said Trevilian Trevanian are breaking into Jack's room and setting up or looking to see what he's spying on but also like instantly start making drinks and it's just like okay you guys are just going for it at this point you know (laughs) um but they're spying on clark's computer as he's at the daily planet doing some super typing um and basically starts looking into jack but sweet and trevanian watch and erase all that info so that jack doesn't find out about it i get like they're just full tilt on setting jack up at this point right
1: yeah so that they're fine with clark researching jack and finding out who he is and all that sort of stuff but they just don't want jack to know
0: that clark is doing that again it's it's complex spy stuff like yeah there's a lot of double yeah i i will admit this is one of those where i'm just like okay so what but um... uh, just
1: Quick shout out as well to the um, the production design of all the computers here. Like I, I, I've i watched this episode a couple of times in prep for this record. And if you actually pause the episode and you look at the screen, like they've, they've typed everything out properly. Like really? Um, yeah. Like that. They, they have for them. Jack Olson, uh, engineering experts trained in hand to hand combat and all this, like <laughs> they do a pretty good job of it. And the, the whole, data net thing i don't know if you've
0: ever brought this up is is data net supposed to be youth net or just the internet i i i don't know no we've never talked about that but th- that's another one of those lnn nia situations here i i don't know like i was we were too young to really know what the internet was at the time so i feel like it yeah. could be either
1: yeah and i mean the internet was kind of only becoming like a mainstream thing that everybody was into around this time anyway so right you know, maybe data net is just what they call the internet in the world of Lewis and
0: Clark. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? They, 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 I feel like the internet does come up, but they don't even name check it and virtually destroy it, but it must come up at some point. But it, yeah, it, you're right. Like data net is totally one of those things and something I should look out for and call out more on the show. I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. Um, Digital of electronic romance. <laughs> what the king say? What the king say? Um, meanwhile, too, like Jimmy, speaking of uh, data net, is trying to hack into this goddamn laptop briefcase thing, still. And Lois is just like interrupting him, like comes in to check on him, and it's just like, how can I help? Uh, go away, sorry. Like it was such like a that. again. Jimmy's a big puppy dog, like such a a sweet. Like really, you helped when you weren't here. You know.
1: I love I love the the computer speak he uses here. That like my algorithm sucks. Oh yes. And then- He says something else about his software like it is he's got the wrong software and it's it's, i gotta reboot the software
0: to the ram and the yeah it's just (laughs) yeah all over the place um tech and the tech over there computer Um, whiz yeah exactly um but completely ignored by jimmy uh lois goes to check up on clark who fills her in that you know jack was armed to the teeth at dinner Also turns out Clark scanned Jack's wallets and found a bunch of fake IDs, or found a bunch of IDs random and basically Jack doesn't exist. Um, Which like Lois kind of starts excusing and Clark is surprised by, and frankly I was too. Like this is usually where Lois kind of steps up and does the reporter thing, but she's kind of projecting and uh, goes on a rant that's really about Sam. And uh, how important it is when a dad comes back into someone's life to give them a chance, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, do you know, what, like, I I made a note about this this little exchange, and I, I think it's right in the context of this scene. You know, Clark says, "Oh, you are Lois Lane, tenacious, brilliant reporter, and I'm the one who's always looking for the sunny side." That's not necessarily true, though. And I think no. you know, in in season, well, definitely in season one, like Clark is the one who realizes that Lex is, you know, a true. Great dude. And Lois is the one who just thinks he's this, you know, super nice guy. <laughs> there's, there's nothing <laughs> untoward about him at all. You know, and there's a couple of there's just a couple of instances throughout the series where Lois kind of old fashioned romantic side kind of gets in the way of. Um, I think it happens again with when Perry's son comes into the show, which is the next season.
0: Yeah. Um, and a bit with Leslie Luckabee too, I feel like. But I Leslie Lookerby. Don't now, there's a name I was. haven't heard. In a long time. <laughs> Cannot wait for all that crap. Um, I honestly, I sorry to
1: inter interrupt, but the, Leslie Luckabee, Like I'm, I don't think I saw those episodes when I was a kid, and I remember watching them when I finally got the DVDs, and I remember thinking, like, did they somehow like go back in time and make more episodes? That <laughs> I just never, like I do not remember any of this, like Phantom of the Opera, Lexus oh, Junior weirdness, like.
0: Yes, Mr. I don't even remember what that guy's name but the, with the giant scar facial appliance on him. Oh god. Um I look forward to it for the podcast. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but can't wait. Again, some weird swings in season 4. Um Anyway, that's a that's a fair point. Like I I tend to go back to that like Lois, wake up mentality, but you're right. Like she she does turn a blind eye sometimes when it's when she feels like it, frankly. And I, writing I too.
1: clark's line here he goes uh,
0: he had more hardware on him than the household section at kmart <laughs> more lit up than a blue light special this guy but uh jimmy comes and breaks them up and tells them like you know code's really hard you should go home get some sleep there are guards here i'll be fine check back in and jack is watching as lois and clark get up to go home and he checks in with tark and uh she reminds them there's a deadline of like tomorrow at noon. I think, right? Yes. That's yes. Right. Great. And uh, I love Jack's retort to her here of, "Sweetheart, sweetheart, spine takes yes. time." I'm like, that's. <laughs> this is the dialogue I'm here for for your Lois and Clark James Bond spoof. You know, like I did, I, I did like that. that. I
1: have to say, yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of I was kind of like, did he did he actually say that? And I went
0: back and listened to it again. I was like, yeah, he did. That, that's fun. I like yep. that. Did you catch which window? Jack breaks into the Daily Planet through here. Which window? Because it's like, Was it's it? not one of the big ones.
1: Okay. No, I didn't, stand. No, they, so it's not, it's not one of the ones with the backdrop behind it.
0: No, the, I, mean, I mean, yes, but not the ones off the um, bullpen. There is still from season one a weird window on top of Perry's office, basically. That's like, okay. Perry's office goes up too high, essentially. And the same way in season one and they kept it through even when they redesigned the sets. And that's the window he's sneaking in through. So it makes sense when Jimmy takes a break here to go sleep Mm -hmm. on Perry's sofa and almost like that's where they have their confrontation here. You know, like I, I was just, I thought it was weird for a second. I'm like, I know what window that is. That's weird. And then it turns out that that was it. Hopefully Um, he didn't crash into
1: Perry's Elvis box.
0: I was going to say, it'd be nice to honestly see an Elvis thing to kind of establish that he's in Perry's office a little easier, you know? Mm -hmm. Not just for... Not my Elvis box! Right, exactly. The Elvis clock is ticking, the legs are going as we pan up to Jack or whatever. Um, But Jimmy goes in to take a nap. He looks at his this like badly photoshopped picture of baby him and his dad and his wallet Oh my god! it's not even photoshopped
1: uh, they have they have right. gotten the scissors and they've cut out a picture of baby justin Whalen and they've they've accidentally
0: chopped off a piece of his head with the i scissors. did notice that it's like um jack nicholson joker is cutting up these pictures and putting them together you know it's inside the lines yeah um but then like jimmy kind of does that like all right, guy, I see you, and throws a lamp at him, and there's a tussle, and I'm just like, it's, all right, good for Jimmy, you know? Yeah, like Justin Whalen gets thrown over a desk and, like, crashes in, his
1: head crashes into a computer monitor, and he falls on the ground.
0: Yeah, Hold on. And uh, Sweet Tart also comes in and knocks Jack out, um, holds a gun on Jimmy, and uh, basically kind of Jack overtakes her into the elevator, and um, and yells at her for getting jimmy involved in all this jimmy though does not see that jack is the guy here at this point thankfully so secret identities as ever on the show are preserved Hmm. um but jimmy runs back to clark's i love this like he's banging on his Door at night. Clark comes to the door and Jimmy's like, "Mile a minute!" Like, there's a guy at the Daily Planet. I punched him. Blah, 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 blah. I punched him, and it's just like I like him. Kind of, yeah, I punched him. Like, yeah, that was good. Cool. Acknowledge that I did a cool thing. You know, like I'm gonna keep returning to this. Um,
1: they really play to Justin Whalen's strengths in this episode. Like I, you know, like I, I. So many times I was like, "Yeah, this is he's he's good in this." Like they they, they figured out what to do with him, and they, yeah,
0: it's good job. I, I think so too. Um, I, I also like um the interaction between clark and jimmy always like despite the fact that like dean was friends with michael Landis and probably was a little bitter when he left or whatever like i think that dynamic does follow through uh with the change of actor even though they just have they just have less to do in these seasons you know yeah um but it, it, it just kind of struck me in this episode like oh yeah no i like i like them together as characters um I didn't like, like Clark calls Lois and she's like, Clark, it's two in the morning. And it's like, woman, <laughs> if he's calling you at two in the morning, something's up, you know? Like don't something's give a shit about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Clark starts hearing something weird in the phone.
1: This is cool. I like this. I liked when they do kind of weird kind of super power thing. Like, so he's hearing a feedback loop on the phone that he reckons is from the bugs or something and no one else can hear it but him. Is that the right. idea?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's just like, uh, you know, Superman, I'm coming to you on this high-pitched frequency that only you can hear, you know, like that type of move. Yeah. Um, But he gets rid of Jimmy real quick, scans around the apartment, sees there are cameras on him. I love this, like, kind of nonchalant walk off of you with a camera and then come in super speed and clean them all up. How lucky is he that they didn't catch him doing some Superman stuff? This is my thought, dude. This is true. Like, I'm so glad Superman was light in this episode. And yeah. I guess when Clark went home, he just went right to bed, you know? Um, I also like how he deals with it at Lois's apartment where he he kind of ding-dong ditches her. She goes out into the hallway and sees that Superman is like flying up there for a second. And again, he like super speeds in and takes them all out uh, without thinking about it. Um, but I, I just liked that the, the show is on and off with using his powers smartly but I thought this was an on moment and I appreciated that. I completely completely agree emphatically and like one of
1: my (laughs) one of the things that like one of the sort of love hate relationships I have with Lois and Clark is there are times when they do the superpowers better than any other version of Superman and they pay so much attention to it and they go into all the kind of weird comic book pseudoscience and they do it better than like literally Smallville all the movies Mm -hmm. like they they just pay so much like meticulous attention to it and they throw such a bone at the fans. And then there's other episodes where it's like, ah, don't even worry about it. They can use his super breath to blow Lois up <laughs> into the air. And <laughs> I was just gonna say. Fucking I was listening to your Ultra Woman episode today and I was like, there's so much stuff that just annoys me so much. And they're kind of like, eh, you
0: know, who cares? But yeah,
1: but yeah, there's other episodes where they really kind of, they dig in deep and they do a really good job. Small thing, I just, I, I always think watching this episode and also Honeymoon in Metropolis, Superman needs Great. like a, he needs oh yeah, it's a fucking banger from season one. He needs a stealth suit. He needs like a a suit for when he's doing sneaky things.
0: Yep, would love that. Everything. Yes, like like <sighs> weird. My first thought was um the like early prototype Batman in Mask of the Phantasm where it's just like he he's yes. kind of just a hood, you know. But yeah, yeah, something like that. Something without an S on it. You're saying basically. Yeah, just so like if he's doing some sneaky stealthy stuff where he has to,
1: you know, do his superpowers and all that and he doesn't want people to know he's Clark Kent, but at the same time, maybe a big, you know, sparkly blue suit with a big red cape isn't the best thing isn't to be
0: wearing either. The greatest move, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love that. I don't think we've ever seen that in live action. I'm sure I, I'm sure the comics and maybe some animated stuff has done it, but I, I'd be totally into that. Um, I guess the closest we get is when he kind of dresses up like a hood in, and the answer is oddly enough, and goes and steals diamonds or something for the guy with Tempest's notebook that knows the secret identity. Like there, there was a moment where he was yeah. doing super stuff, but it was not, it was nefarious super stuff. You know, well, it wasn't Was, the was Dean thing.
1: Kane wearing a, a baller leather jacket in that scene. Quite, like possibly, <laughs> quite possibly,
0: quite possibly. Yeah. A lot of leather jackets in this show. I never noticed before. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it was the time, you know. We'll get to a great leather jacket moment later oh, on here. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, at the Daily Planet, the next day, they, they dump all the bugs that they found uh, on Perry's lap. and Perry's all upset about uh, everyone always listening. In, the government always listening in all the time. And it made me think like very Nixon of him. <laughs> I, 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 oh yes, absolutely. I
1: wrote that down because <laughs> obviously he played Nixon. Yep. Land of the Free, home of the under surveillance. This stuff makes me sick.
0: Sick. So good, dude. You do a good lane. Like I'm, I'm impressed.
1: The year was 1976. Like, <laughs> I can, I can I do the whole thing? I mean, have we touched? Done... <laughs> you um, look like nope. a cross between a neon sign and an ice cream salesman, Jimmy. <laughs> oh my God. And there was a crack in his voice I ain't never heard before. What is that from? Sounds pretty hard. No, uh, Jimmy, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Uh,
0: it's my favorite scene in the entire dude, show. Dude, that's impressive. <laughs> um, but we, we don't have time to do impressions. We have three hours till the bomb or the thing or something's gonna happen to I somebody. That.
1: Perry's whole role in this whole episode is just telling them how much time is left yes. in the episode. <laughs>
0: And be a man at Jack, kinda. Um, But uh, Clark goes and uh, basically they're like, someone's got to finish this job. Um, Clark goes and checks their computers and finds the obvious as shit bugs that were on them. So excellent job there. And Clark is suspecting Jack finally. uh, Convinces Lois that uh, the evidence, uh, it all adds up. Um, And he even does some super fingerprint analysis. Wacky weird power time. I've I've written down a fingerprint scanning vision, which yeah, fine.
1: <laughs> you get this nice little where the fingerprints overlay over each other, and then there's this nice little kind of glow up from the fingerprints. Like, yeah,
0: awesome. Yeah, this is it. But yeah, using X-ray vision and micro vision, and just like all every form of vision you could possibly vision here. Um, but they had uh, a vision. I, I yeah, they had a vision. Um, I also must comment on the fact that what he's checking against is the bug, and then the gift that Jack gave Jimmy, which was just a letter opener, which made me think once again, Jack sucks. Like this is a shit gift from a dad. I had an aunt in Connecticut. In uh, well, she lived in Connecticut at the time. Oh no! And... Did I offend your aunt? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not, not at all. But like, because she was sending us gifts across the Atlantic, that they invariably were quite shit most of the time. And I remember one time, like she sent us like a stationary box with nothing in it, and you know, there's there a lot of those kind wow. of gifts. Like, I feel like a letter opener was definitely one one year.
0: God love her. Yeah, decorative air holders, you know that type of thing. Um. But Jimmy comes out all excited. He's he's cracked part of the code. And they're like, oh dude, we gotta talk about your dad. (laughs) Um and but he's he's offended, oddly enough. He's like, is everything a story to you guys? Like he's he's yeah, methinks you doth protest too much there, Jimmy. Um he also calls Clark a Boy Scout. Maybe not everybody's a Boy Scout like you, but I I'm gonna choose to think that it's a comic book reference and appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, I I think so. Um I, I think this whole scene is great, and it, like it's, it, it is it the most emotive scene Justin Whalen has had in the whole show. Uh, at this point, hundred percent. And and it's also like the most intense scene he's had with Dean Kane in the whole show. And you're kind yes. of like, wow, they actually they, you know, they, they play off each other well, and they should give him more stuff to do, like you know. Um, but again, how much better would it have been if Perry had said, "No, loss, I think I should be the one to tell Jimmy," and that they'd had this scene between them? I think it would have been even stronger.
0: That would have been your, your, I like your rewrites, dude. I really do. Um, but yeah, I mean, to what you said, if is this not the first time that Jimmy's gone against them for some reason? Like I'm pretty mm. sure, you know? Um, meanwhile at Jack's hotel room, Trevanian starts breaking in, pissed at him for the bugs having been removed uh, and wants to send Tart in to, to bring in, I guess, Jimmy and Lois and Clark. Um. But there's, there's a lot of plot here. Like Jack's asking what the mm-hmm. real story is, and why won't you why won't you tell him? And like, because that's what a good soldier does. Like you just listen to authority and that type of deal. Um. But uh, Trevanian gets a call that Jimmy is uh, on his way to Star Labs because they've got a tail on him, and uh, Jack is absolutely, you know, justifiably worried that the NIA is following his son. And his son's getting a little too close for comfort, you know? Meanwhile, at the Daily Planet, speaking of too close for comfort, Lois uh, is on her way out and gets stopped in the elevator by Sweet Tart, who puts the chunkiest bit of equipment ever on the elevator panel to override it.
1: I've, I've written down here um, the control panel thing she hacks the Daily Planet ele- elevator with looks like the 1990s light-up puzzle game Lights Out. So <laughs> okay. if, if, if anyone doesn't remember that, if you Google uh, 1990s puzzle game Lights Out, it's, it's just this weird looking Game Boy looking thing with all these buttons on it and, and some of them would light up and that's exactly what this looks like. And I was looking at it going,
0: what does that remind me of? For a show that a year from now is gonna make a matter transporter out of a fan, I think it's completely <laughs> within the realm that they might have used that game to make this problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just to make sure that it goes all the way down to the basement without stopping. Like it's such a like we could have done anything else here, sweetheart. Just but... a key, you know. Just exactly. Whatever. Whatever. Um, meanwhile, Jimmy is leaving Star Labs, I guess, with the answers that he was looking for, um, and. Jack pulls up, and uh... now sorry, sorry to interrupt, Matt.
1: Just right at this moment, right? I've written down the time code: thirty-four minutes and fifty-five seconds.
0: Okay. Did you notice
1: anything interesting about Jay Gruska's music here?
0: No, I did not.
1: So this is just a complete coincidence, right? Right, laying, as yeah. Olson, right as Jack Olsen, right as Jack Olsen is pulling up at Star Labs, the Danny Elfman Batman theme plays in slow motion.
0: <laughs> really.
1: Yeah no it's just whatever arrangement he's come up with he just has dun, dun 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 and if if you play it at like two times speed you can hear it perfectly
0: bizarre i'm yeah, 100% going to go back and i thought it was that kind of like dun dun you know like the the the, the um spy music of it yeah, um, it's
1: it's it's totally just like 1990s ominous tones, but it, it ends up sounding exactly like the Batman theme.
0: That's too funny. I will 100% go back and check that. Um, but basically, uh, Jack confronts Jimmy here, and they do some spy banter, and and Jimmy realizes that Jack was the guy. He even sees the like, you know, you're pretty banged up from the bruise that Jimmy gave him the night before, you know. Um, but uh, turns out they kind of reconcile here almost you know mm. um but you know at noon it is established here someone is going to use a satellite to send to blow up a plane and then use the same satellite to send a data eating virus to all the computers in all the world and the plane's got these passengers with their code names of badger and stingray and gypsum on it and like jack knows that this is trouble and basically says go find Lois and Clark um, and then they get in the car for some spy 101 here. Spy 101 into like a Ford Taurus. Yeah, I know. Um, what, what does what
1: what does the evil plot sound like to you?
0: Hmm.
1: From the time or from the time, yeah. So he says that he's gonna crash a plane using an electromagnetic pulse fired from a satellite.
0: Oh, is that goldeneye?
1: Yeah, it's goldeneye. Wow, yeah, there you go. Now, they, they, they're not trying to crash a plane in GoldenEye, but it's totally that the whole plot of GoldenEye is that there's a satellite that can fire an electromagnetic pulse from space. Um, and then what I really, really love about this is they obviously wrote this and it was just going to be a direct lift of the GoldenEye plot. But then they've also added in the bit about a data eating virus. And right. it's almost like they didn't expect people to know what an electromagnetic pulse was. So they kind of <laughs> had to also explain, oh, yeah, well, there's this virus and it's going to do this sort of thing.
0: And it's so a Lois and Clark villain move of like, I'm going to top my thing while we're doing the thing. And like, not only am I going to take these guys that work above me and in the CIA or whatever FBI out, but I'm also going to make sure nobody else has a computer but me. So yeah. Um, Yeah. Excellent point. Everyone's always fucking with satellites or something. You know, Dr. No even was messing with missiles and that type of deal. Um, I, I like their little, for what it's worth, spy move here where, um, Jack and Jimmy get in the car and they kind of hide behind a truck for a second, basically just for enough time for uh, Jimmy to, to get out of the truck and go elsewhere. Um, he goes to jump on a motorcycle, though, by the way. Can we talk about that? Has it ever been established that Jimmy has a motorcycle? That's a good question. I like It didn't seem strange
1: to me, but now that you say it, I'm trying to remember if he ever wears a Was it? Was there
0: an episode where he was going out with a biker girl or something, and they they have him holding a motorcycle helmet or something? Maybe. Listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will, but like that just felt so out of nowhere to me. Just like, Mm. well, he can't have a car. He's a kid. He's got to be cool, you know. I one thing I just on the subject of
1: Jimmy Olsen, Justin Whalen, and vehicles. one of my favorite episodes is I think it's target Jimmy Olsen where you know he has to get a second job or something because he's so poor and then right. he jumps into this sweet as fuck yes. uh Ford um what you call them there? A Ford Mustang? Mustang, yeah and it's the exact same car that Brandon Walsh who was also uh just penniless and broke
0: in Beverly Hills 90210 drove in every oh, episode that's funny that's such a small move to me too where it's just like we keep totaling our cars, but we've always got the like. I think Pete drove like a really nice vintage car all the time. and It's just like, dude, yeah. in what world are you keeping this in Smallville? You know. And and then the the same episode
1: where Jimmy has no money, he also has these like amazing snakeskin leather cowboy boots. <laughs> like, where are we going, Justin? Whalen?
0: good point. Good point. It's all that. It's all that fake stock market that he's been playing. You know. Oh yeah. God, <laughs> um, fake stock market. Uh, but he doesn't we don't get to see if jimmy can ride his motorcycle because sweetheart (laughs) comes up behind him takes him at gunpoint and uh throws him into a van where lois lane is already tied up um thus we get one of the greatest moments of the show of all time where clark comes back in his leather coat to the (sighs) daily planet um and he's talking with the chief for a second and it's Where's Jimmy? He didn't make it back to Star Labs. Where's Lois? Went after Jimmy. Where's the computer? With Olsen. Oh, well, great. We've lost everyone. Yeah, we're totally incompetent. Hell's bells! It's almost noon! <laughs> Fucking amazing like those moments of clarity in the show make me laugh so much but it's just it's just the quickest little scene but i think it's so damn funny right and once again thank you for your lane smith there like truly uh,
1: any opportunity to do an impression of lane smith <laughs> like again he doesn't have an awful lot to do in this episode i absolutely love lane smith He's perfect. like watching the show as a kid it was always oh yeah i want to be clark i want to be superman and then watching it as i was getting a little bit older it was like oh i want to be jimmy olsen now watching the show as a 31-year-old man, I just want to be Perry White,
0: just <laughs> living my best life. Um, you, you do, especially like our age watching it as a kid, like you, you always appreciated them and liked them. But like you do start to appreciate actors like Lane and Kay and Eddie in the show where it's just like they are here making this bullshit work every week. And it's really impressive.
1: And John motherfucking Shane. Oh, I'm sorry. God. Like oh, what a oh. king. Like there's so Incredible. many lousy season one episodes where he just lifts them like from the ashes and turns them into gold. Like he's such, and it just, it like, you know, I, I know, I, I've heard you say on the show before that you're not crazy about season one. I I am one of those nerdy comic book guys who who thinks that season one is, is probably my favorite of the mm-hmm. series.
0: And I, I do think that such a large part of that is John Shea. He's so, so good. And he's so underrated. Look, you're not going to get a John Shea fight with me. Um, I, I've been rewatching, um, the Good Wife with my girlfriend, which is... A, a, oh, yeah. You, do you know about Yeah, okay. Um, I know he's in it, yeah Yes. And, and he's popped up once or twice, and he's like a loathsome character in it. And, and my girlfriend's always just like, oh, I hate him. I'm like, I know, it's great, right? Like, he's so good at it. Um, but but she's like, yeah, just such an incredible actor and is always missed in, you know, season two, season three, and season four here. Um, anyway, back on some vague rooftop which you see mountains in the background you see that there's no other building there like it is just the top of the um Star Labs roof building that they use on the back lot but and i thought they were going to play it like that but like at the end of the scene spoilers um jimmy gets thrown off the roof and we get the like super zoom you know the special effect that they've used a few times of someone falling you know like this yeah. these buildings all around it. and i'm just like Oh, the show's done no work to like comp in city buildings or whatever around them anymore. Like they just kind of go with the fact that they're in Burbank. It's so strange to me. The whole geography of, you know,
1: are we on top of a roof or are we at street level? Like it's a common thing throughout (laughs) the show, especially watching it now. They just don't, they never get it quite right. Like Clark's apartment, like it seems to be accessible from street level. But then when you go to the back of it and the skylight, it's it's supposed to be on the top of a building. I'm like, there's so many moments like that throughout the show
0: where I'm like, where are we actually supposed to be right now? Right. the ver- Very Gotham, where it's just like, you, you never know what's around the next corner. On this rooftop where it's just like, God, what I wouldn't give to believe that this was a city. Uh, Tart um, and Lois and Jimmy come up. Tart's got a gun on them. Uh, and Trevanian's already up there typing away, ready to use satellites to take out this, playing with the cia and fbi director and secret service whatever else um and uh we feel a song coming on here for a second where uh tarts tarts got the gun on on lois and jimmy um trevanian says uh, i say you could do it in two bullets she said i say i can get it done in one and he says name that tune and I'm a big musical fan. And so I'll always call it a moment like this. I'm pretty sure this is an Annie, get your gun reference to anything you can do. (laughs) I can do better. I can't think of anything else that this moment could be referencing. Amazing. If anyone has other suggestions. Out there please let me know but i think that's what we're doing here my,
1: my, my expertise does not extend to Annie Get Your Girl, <laughs> my girlfriend is a huge musical fan and i'll definitely ask her later
0: please yes I, i'd love to know um but meanwhile at the daily planet jack calls clark um and tells him that he's in trebanian's office and there's you know evil afoot um i love this though like he's yeah. on the phone with clark 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 and superman wishes in like i think that's a nice move how superman found trevanian's office though i'll never know such
1: a coincidence yeah, well, well he lucky. was able to follow well you see matt
0: okay go ahead the, go ahead is,
1: I, i'm i'm such a crazy you know that there's definitely issues with superman where, where um he's on the phone to someone and he follows the phone signal because he can actually see the, uh, the telephone signals in the air with different vision pairs. And he follows that. And like, and you know, there's definitely a Lex Luthor story where he tracks him down that way. And so that's my fan theory.
0: Interesting. That would make sense. That honestly fills in a hole for when shots are killing too for me. So I'll, I'll go with that. Um, but, uh, I, I, first of all, I always love people's reactions to Superman. Like even Jack Olsen has a like, superman you know like it's just well, so cool that you're here yeah um but superman gives jack shit for putting his son in the middle of everything um and uh jack starts talking about like well you know you had to believe that i was leading a double life like what would you know about it a nice little moment yeah, it's um, great but turns out jack gave jimmy a radioactive card and starts tracking him to the metropolis trade tower which second time this season that's been mentioned i love this little tracking gizmo that yeah. he's got yeah I, little I thought tiny that was fun thing. yeah it's
1: this tiny little sort of card thing that he opens up and then it's got this sort of 1990s cgi interface on it where it shows him all these different buildings and the the, the radioactive card is a nice little I, I don't know were they explicitly referencing james bond there but there is a radioactive homing pill in that was my and, thought
0: oh my thought was uh, the little thing in um Uh, Goldeneye golden eye too—the little thing he keeps in his shoe, maybe.
1: Oh, that's probably that's probably it. Actually, there's also yeah, there's there's... radioactive lint in honor Seems like it's it's a common enough thing. So, radioactive Uh, pocket lint, Seven.
0: This is what Casino Royale is missing—is radioactive lint or or tracking of some kind. Really cute in any way. Although no, he's got a tracker on him in that too. Never mind. He's got the little microchip thing. Yeah. Guess what? Casino Royale is back to being perfect, everybody. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Superman rushes off as uh, Trevanian is pushing uh, Jimmy over the ledge at the building. And the satellite is going off in space with some really questionable CG and model work, which... <laughs> I, I, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek The Next Generation for the first time, really, lately. Like, I've seen a few episodes over the years and a few of the movies, oh, yeah. but um, a friend of the show, Zach Moore, gave me a curated list uh, because he'd given it to friend of the show, Cavante Chellis, And I've been loving it. And I'm so impressed by yeah. the space effects in that show. Yeah. And to watch that, a bunch of that in the past week, and then watch this the other day, I was just like, oh, you guys should try harder because the whole plane. <laughs> And satellite effects in this just look terrible. Yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, I, I, I think Lawson Clark goes through peaks and troughs with its special effects. Like, I, I, I think um, they, they definitely were not good in season one. Uh, I think they get, I think they get quite good in season two, and then I think they kind of vary from then until the end. And mm-hmm. um, like, I think there are episodes, like the the viologic episode where he stops the, the runaway train in the in the subway or whatever. I think that's oh, actually. Season one. No, I think it's season, is that two. season two. Excuse me. Yeah, it's early season two and he stops the train and like there's a similar season, scene in Superman four and it's, it's so bad. <laughs> and this is actually much, much better. And I, I think some of the CGI stuff, I, I wrote down earlier on the, the super speed zoom effect that they do. I think that holds up pretty well. Like, I think so It's just too. as good as like Smallville and all that kind of stuff, which is much more recent, you know.
0: I, I, I'll give you that too. And I will say, I can defend every side of my opinions. Basically, I do, I will say that that falling effect that they do of people falling for endless stories does kind of look good, you know, like especially for the time, like I buy it. Uh, yeah,
1: it sort of reminds me of the Men in Black music video <laughs> for some reason.
0: <laughs> With the big like wall behind them, like that thing? Yeah, I just, Funny. I don't know, just the the weird effect that like fisheye lens nearly, I don't know. It's oh, maybe, strange. sure. Um, anyway... Superman saves Jimmy. He shields bullets with his cape. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. That's a big Sorry. big issue for me. Sorry, um, guys. Doesn't this, work. Doesn't make there's sense. There's no, you know, like she made it out of the fabric she found him in thing. Like we know Martha Kent gets this fabric on special. It just doesn't work. Um, but he he takes them out um and has to go stop the plane. But thankfully Jack's got his two Derringers up asleep. <laughs> Oh yeah, that he pops out here to keep uh, to keep you know an eye on Trevenian and Sweet Tart,
1: um, and Superman's like
0: interesting. Yeah, it's a weird moment. I should use guns from now on. I do love these like uh, intelligence directors in this plane doing all the wiggle acting in the world so yeah. the plane's not right, and then Dean Kane coming down on the outside uh, through the through the portholes really to to write the. To write the yeah, plane. And, like, and he, he grabs
1: the plane by the passenger window
0: and apparently and, like amazing um, and does a quick couple like nods inside of like yeah yep yeah, no I'm great yeah, yeah you're right um, very funny um, the just as me, very funny just as funny as the picture on the front page of the Daily Planet that we see of the Compton Superman in plane here like how did they get this photo? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like Superman flying up towards the wing of the plane or something. Yeah. It's very, yep. uh, Bizarre. picture of, of the century.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, quick call out in this scene, we're doing the wrap up and, you know, Perry's apologizing for Jack and for thinking he was an asshole and Jack's basically like, yeah, well, you know, I am. I'm being right. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Another right thing about Perry in this episode He's got an Elvis tie on. He's just got like a novelty, it's, kitschy as hell Elvis tie on. I love it.
1: I absolutely love it. And uh, you know, it's 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 late in the game, Elvis. Um, it's it's kind of yes. jumpsuit era Elvis. I'm a, I'm a big Elvis fan, by the way, and I love okay. all the Elvis nods they do. They do like really meticulous, specific ones in season one where they talk about like Colonel Parker, and uh, yes. I, I already did the story about him playing in 1976 and all that like but then in the later seasons it's just like ah yeah elvis or whatever (laughs) like they never really put any thought into it (laughs) but i did love this tie and it feels like i I know they were doing the thing earlier in the season where he was wearing the shitty ties at alice bottom
0: that's what it felt like
1: but they don't reference that so i don't know
0: no and uh, alice isn't around to see it let me tell you so yeah but that's what i instantly thought of too that's funny um but basically after that that wrap up jimmy walks his dad to the elevator his father tells him like they offered me a desk job and jimmy's like no dad that's not you you know it's just like where last time you walked this man to an elevator you're like could, could you stay please you know like we've gone full circle here apparently
1: it's just weird modern family dynamics he's like you know what if if we can work on the relationship we have the way it is now you know i'm not not going to expect you to change who you are you know that kind of way it's i don't know you do you dad yeah you do you exactly not not entirely satisfying but i i I can see what they're going for and you know i think justin whalen does a good job with it which again, it's one of the rare times i'm going to say that but i think he was good in this episode
0: i agree and uh and hug times and goodbye that's a series wrap on jack Olson. everybody so off he goes um and lois and clark of course watching this and just do a really quick recap of clark's kind of father worries of you know jack was out there trying to save the free world and sacrifice his family and uh this is where he really hits the like our our kids will barely be able to pick me out of a lineup mm-hmm. um and i like what lois says here where it's just like it's yep. you know It says more about the man than the job. Like, you'll be great because you are great. Essentially, like, I I I thought that was a sweet moment for a story that they didn't really have all that much to dig into. You know,
1: she says something like, "It doesn't matter whether you're a piano tuner or a secret agent," which I thought was fun.
0: Yeah, what matters is the type of man you are, type thing. And then calls him a lunkhead, and they kiss, and they joke about that, and we fade out on a still frame, and that's the end of a very weird episode of Lois and Clark. Very weird. What well, like what I would say is it
1: is kind of a strange, obscure, uh, skippable episode, but I I like that they tried to give one of the B characters like an A story. Yeah. Um, and I, I you know I, I just wish they'd done that more, to be honest. Um, especially after season one, where they kind of just put the focus so squarely on Lewis and Clark, it would have been refreshing to kind of, and like, you know, so much of the battle this show fought was, oh, we have to keep them apart. We have to get them, you know, like if they just done stuff with the other characters, maybe they wouldn't have needed to do, I don't
0: know. No, I I couldn't agree with you more. If they were more used to it, I think they would have known how to do this episode a little bit better, but it's just, Mm. it's kind of not in the show's vocabulary. Like you're saying, yeah. and that's that's unfortunate at this point. They've kind of baked it out of it, you know. But let's let's do some questions, shall we? Um, okay. This I, I, I was going to say, like, what's the best use and effect of Superman here? But really, we only get the one really good Superman moment where he's saving the plane. Like, there wasn't too much Superman in this episode. There really wasn't that room room for him. Well, that
1: there was the 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 bug Oh, you're
0: Lowsy's right. Apartment. Oh, you're totally right. Okay, there was some good Superman stuff here. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, what is, this is a little thin. What is your best Lois and Clark moment from this episode? Best Lois and Clark moment is probably,
1: I would say probably the very first scene where they're just washing the dishes and she's talking about this, you know, this weird bit of junk mail she got. And, you know, because just because it, it's kind of true to life, it's a thing that actually happens and it just sort of resonated with me a bit. And, yeah, I thought that was good. I like that. And I like the heat vision cleaning the uh, the plates was
0: good. Yeah, I liked that too. I also liked them leaving to go to dinner and her just kind of like, oh, just let it go. Like, oi, like, why are we just yeah. let it go for a second clock? It just felt, I, I like when it feels real between them, you know, like, like mm. you're saying there. Um, was this a good episode for Lois Lane? Yeah, I guess.
1: I mean, she didn't hear, I mean, she was very optimistic to a fault in some ways. Um, yeah. but she had a good sense of Jack's character at the end, maybe.
0: I guess I don't know, yeah. I, Ish, I, she gets kidnapped, but she didn't know that's that she true. was up against spies. So, that's I would say, of the three here, it's probably the better episode for her. Um, was it a good episode for Clark?
1: I would say it was a good episode for Clark in that it showed him as a competent journalist for once. Um, Fair. Like so often, Lois is the competent journalist, and Clark is kind of just along for the ride and gets to be super mad at the end. Clark is the one who did the investigating here, and he was right, and his investigation like yielded results. Poor so fruit, I would say, yeah. for, for, from that point of view, I would say, and he was a good friend to Jimmy, even though he had to give him some tough truths. So I would say it was a good Clark episode, yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I, I felt like they were so underserved in this episode, but you're right. There, there are nice little moments um, in here that do help. And, and we kind of talked about Superman, but mm. he gets he gets some good stuff. I, I still love just throwing the briefcase into the air too. Like it's so yeah. stupid, but makes sense to me. Um, we have to talk about what it's like to review episodes here in a second. But before we do that, can I get your rating for this episode in the one to 10 scale?
1: out of ten uh, i probably give it a very enthusiastic seven okay. i think um i, I, I think it's I, I, I think it's above average but it still ultimately feels very kind of forgettable and i think uh, we we did we didn't really talk a lot about trevanian i think he is just so forgettable and kind of boring and not yeah. really anything of a villain and i think season three like for me, um, I mentioned before, John Shea, like one of my biggest love-hate relationships with this show is the, the goofy guys, as I call them. So me and my girlfriend kept, uh, coined <laughs> this term. So anyone in Lois and Clark who is not a villain from the comics, so it can't be Metallo or the Prankster Mixes, Pitlick or Lex Luthor, uh, an actual supervillain, so Deathstroke or the, the Druid guy or anyone who actually has <laughs> powers, anyone else, which is 90% of the villains of the show, is a goofy guy. And as goofy guys go, Trevanian is pretty forgettable and pretty poor.
0: I agree with you. There's there's nothing too much in his writing. Um, there's nothing too much in his performance that stands out to me. Like um, Ultra Woman, right? Like Shelley Long and Mary Gross in that. Excellent goofy guys for me. I, 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 oh, you're making a face. I I, I love them in that. Um, okay. How about uh, Jeannie Francis and Jonathan Frakes?
1: Jonathan Frakes and Jeannie Francis. I, I, I've i actually, I've got a little list here. So at the top I have King, Ooh. which is Lex Luthor. God-tier Goofy is obviously Tempest, like it goes without
0: oh, saying. Oh, they, totally. Uh,
1: good Goofy, then I have Lenny Stokes, Diana Stride, Gretchen Kelly, Bill Church Sr. and Jr. I won't go through the whole list. I think I have Jonathan Frakes and Jeannie Francis in mid-tier Goofy. I do, I do enjoy the presence. I think Jonathan Frakes oversells in some scenes... Um but ultimately I'm very glad that they're on the show.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, you have to post that list at some point. You know that now, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll make okay. a meme out of it. Okay, great. Um, I, I I'm avoiding giving my ratings, it's gonna be lower than yours. It's a six for me. Like if I never see this yeah, episode again, it's it's fine, but uh it just doesn't give me the Lois and Clark loves that I want. I think the, the coolest thing aesthetically that we get from this episode is some of the Bond stuff, and then um mm. uh yeah, as goofy as it looks, the yeah, you know, Superman saving a plane type thing is, is classic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were remiss in talking about your bio earlier. Um, this is not the first time you've reviewed Lois and Clark, is it?
1: <laughs> no. So uh, in, my, in my very, very early 20s, I contacted Steve Eunice, who is the um, owner and proprietor of the Superman homepage, a mm-hmm. legendary Superman website that goes back to the, the 90s. Um, you know, I contacted times. him about d- doing reviews for Lois Clark because at that point, like every other Superman show on the site had like really really in depth like reviews, and I remember thinking, "Geez, you know, Lois Clark is pretty underserved. Like somebody needs to write these." So I, I wrote, um, I, I, I wrote reviews for. I think up until the mixes pedal episode. I think that was the last episode I wrote reviews wow. for. And um, so I made it pretty far into the show before I kind of drifted away from it. And um, yeah, really enjoyed the experience. What I would say is uh, I don't necessarily believe you need to go back and read all those reviews. <laughs> I think I gave this episode a four out of five, uh, which I don't know if I'd give it that today. A generous uh, review. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I, have to say I'm rewatching it with my girlfriend now. And like, it's my first time coming back to the show in about 10 years huh. and uh, like I'm, I'm reading a lot of those reviews, and I'm going, "Geez, I cannot remember writing this." And oh my god, how did I write that? And why did I think this? And, you know, so it's a nice little time capsule.
0: That's great, dude. Like, uh, um, is let, let's talk about that too, because I've been trying to talk to fans about like how they interact with the show. Obviously, I do the podcast, I do art, I, I collect to a certain degree, and do customs and whatnot. Like, um, how how else are you interacting? Like as a fan with things like uh, your your meme work and video work online has been great. You've done reviews. Um, we can talk about another project coming up for you. But like, mm. wh- where where does the fandom kind of like inspiration strike you? uh geez,
1: like any way you can imagine. I mean, I, I I've written Lois and Clark fan fiction, by the way, as well. Um, when I was I I, I want to say twelve or thirteen when I first learned what fan oh, fiction awesome. was. I, I definitely have like I wrote a fanfic where Lex Luthor gets superpowers. I definitely wrote one where Metallo comes back. Some just really god awful stuff that just you should never read. That's um, what you're
0: supposed to write at twelve. Like that's yeah. awesome. I'm trying to think what else I've done. I I, I
1: definitely wrote Dean Kane fan letters in the <laughs> like long after the show was over. I want to say it was probably the. Early two thousands, I never got any response. I mean, yeah. I I sent it care of Ripley's, believe it or not. And I think Ripley's, believe it or not, <laughs> was long off the air at that stage. Um, yeah, just anything you can imagine. I was on the Superman homepage on the forums for years, and well, actually, here's a good one. One of my best friends, Parker Johnson, I met him on the Superman homepage, and uh, we've subsequently met up in real life like loads of times. Um, so. You know, I I met one of my best friends through Superman. You know, and and then That's Alan awesome. Burke as well, yeah, uh, who you you've had on your show. I met him through just going to conventions and stuff like that. And you know, so I I I I, I owe a lot to. Um... Oh yeah, and I have a degree in journalism. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> I, I I I'm pretty sure I did I did a degree in journalism because of Superman. Nothing to do with my love of current affairs or anything like that. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> a, dude. Nice little aside
0: there, yeah. That's so cool and and you and Alan are in the thick of your own podcast at this point.
1: Yeah, so like i I, I mentioned before i I know you were kind of specifically a Lawson Clark guy I, I i I love like almost every version of Superman. I'll say that almost every version of Superman um,
0: and oh, I, I was... you know I've got love for them all too for the most part though i don't I don't go as deep in like the the Reeve movies like you do, I think.
1: Yeah, so I, I do love the Reeve movies. I, I, I discovered them kind of after Lowell Clark. So I was kind of seven or eight, nine when I kind of really got into those. Mm. Um, but then since then, you know, I've, I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in the, the old George Reeves show. The radio show is really interesting from like the, the 1940s where he goes up against the Ku Klux Klan.
0: Yeah, stuff. I've only read about that stuff. There's a, a Sorry, you continue. But yeah, I would love to listen to some of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's they're kind of strange to listen to. And they they have a lot of ads in them for like Kellogg's Pep, the super sure. delicious cereal. And like every single episode will have like 12, 12 ads for Kellogg's Pep. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're doing kind of a deep dive podcast where we're kind of diving deep into all these different versions of Superman. and We recorded a really interesting episode there the other day where um, we looked at all the different versions of um there's a story called Menace from the Stars from the hmm. 1950s where an asteroid is about to hit Metropolis and Superman has to fly into space and stop it and then he gets amnesia. And then obviously they did a lot of some- Sound familiar, like that. yeah. <laughs> they, they also, obviously, there's Panic in the Sky, the George Reeves episode, and then the the weird Superboy show from the 80s also did a version of that story. Um, so we did a podcast episode kind of comparing all three um, and the original comics so we're, we're planning on doing loads of different bits and pieces like that I'm, I'm hoping that by the time this goes out um our first episode or two will be uh, will be will be available so and it's awesome. called the
0: all-star super fan podcast um also th- there will be links on the social media so uh, everybody looking for that uh, please please check that out I can't wait for that when we did all shook up we looked at um the panic in the sky George Reeves episode 2 but we did not I've never seen a frame of the Superboy show. Um, and I didn't know until talking with you the other day that there, it was based on the comic too. So like that, mm. we, only, we only got half the story out, you know? Like, I can't wait to listen to that episode with you guys. Yeah, um, it's, a funny one. it's funny you mentioned the Superman radio show too. I've been listening to an excellent book called Superman, The Unauthorized Biography by Glenn Weldon, who is a big time um, NPR contributor um, and reviewer he also wrote um a uh book called the Cape crusade all about the history of batman but i cannot okay. recommend this book to you enough and it goes through the the whole history of superman i'm up to like the 80s right now in my listening yeah. but um really details the production of the radio show really well and also through listening to that i kind of realized that there are tons of plots from Lois and clark specifically like season three season four that are lifted from like golden age silver age stories it's incredible yeah. um i give the show hell and credit for such weird plots but like sometimes superman went up against nazis taking over before you know like that type of thing um yeah. but you guys you guys should check that book out it's very interesting
1: definitely i i yeah no i i like with Lois and Clark now, I'm, I'm definitely noticing in season three and four that they like even episodes like the um the one with the little kid who got superpowers and oh, I'd love uh, yeah like ultra woman obviously like that they, they all have such a silver age flavor to them. Mm-hmm. And like you, you have to remember like these were stories are being written by people probably in the 30s and 40s who probably grew up with those kinds of comics. Yeah. And now you know you get Superman and Lois now, and that has that 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 has a lot of nods to sort of nineties kind of eighties and nineties comics that we would have grown up with. So Uh it's it's always it's always kind of it's natural enough that you know the 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 shows will mirror what the writers grew up with, which I think is is kind of fun.
0: It's that nostalgia cycle thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um well dude, cannot thank you enough for joining me here in Metropolis. Uh we will hear from you again. But um I'd also by the way, love to join you on All-Star Superfans. So if oh, you have not an can, can I just ever... say,
1: just before you wrap up, Matt, you have done such an incredible job of res- like just maintaining the legacy of this show. Like, and you know, so often people either dismiss the show or have just forgotten about it all t- altogether. So it's, it's really, really nice to hear you've done such an amazing job, both you and Ryan. Like it was such a pleasure and a delight to listen to him for so long. And um, I, I, I think what I love about your show so much is you kind of uh, you obviously love it dearly but Ryan was kind of coming to it for the first time he was a little bit more critical of it and for me listening I was kind of like this is what it's actually like watching Lawson Clark with people you know I'm <laughs> yes. like hey this is this is great check this out and then there's another person going is it really
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh,
1: so um, I just I have to congratulate you it's such a good show and the episode you did with your mum was amazing please have oh a God. Time. I, I, that was
0: so much fun I will have to take her at gunpoint to get her back on mic like, at some point. But thank, dude, thank you very much. That's 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 very sweet of you to say. Um, it's a weird show to keep the legacy alive for right now, politically. But um, I, what makes I always, you say that much. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Who could but, you ever be referring to? <laughs> that Lane Smith, you know, really had a weird idea. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but thank you, dude. I always just try to make it try to try to have fun with it whether that's me you know cooing about the the cuteness of them or yelling at the wires that you can see on dean um but thank you dude um anyway you guys will be keeping the legacy going as well and we have tons more superman media coming at us uh for you guys to dig into so i I really look forward to that um but in the meantime everybody you know follow the socials as always, if you want to talk about uh, how you interact with the show in a specific way or the fandom, uh, or just have uh, a correction for me, feel free to reach out to Lois and Clark at gmail.com and everybody listen to uh, all-star Superfan podcast. As of recording this, I haven't heard any of it yet, but I, I can't wait to get into that stuff uh, with you guys. Um, so Rob, thank you for joining me. Uh, and for Lois and Clark, I've been Matt Truex. I've been Rob O'Connor. You want to do it? Full golf, everybody.